0: On today's episode of Sports and the World, we talk about celebrity and politics, my MLB report, female broadcasters, and my big picture. That's today on Sports and the World. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to us, and how you're listening to us, whether it's through Anchor. Apple or Google Podcasts. Thank you for making sports and the world a part of your day. I'm Ben Brown, and thank you so much for taking time out of your your day, your night, or your afternoon to listen. Hope you guys are staying dry out there. It's been rather rainy where I am. It may be sunny where you are, but I hope you stay dry, stay cool, or even stay warm. And now with that, let's dive on in. Now, one of the things that I talked about, I think, in the very first episode of this podcast, is that I didn't want to delve too deep into politics. And and that still rings to be true. And from time to time I may delve deep, but not deep enough to cause friction and division, because there's enough of that already in this country. So but the one of the things I did want to talk about was the impact of celebrities in politics. Because Because now you see that everybody wants Oprah, the rock. And we're going to talk about them in a minute, to be president because of President Trump. And one of the things that I say is that it's not the realm of possibility. Because it's very rare in any political cycle that every candidate running for president, maybe with the exception of Marion Williamson, has political experience. More than the President of the United States. And it speaks to the time of the country we live in. And mind you, there's been examples of celebrities who were once politicians. Arnold Schwarzenegger, he was, the, he was a two-term governor of California. Lynn Jacobs, aka Kane, for you wrestling fans out there. He's the mayor of Knox County, Tennessee. Clint Eastwood used to be the mayor of Carmel, California, back in the late 80s. Ventura, Governor of Minnesota, Jerry Spears, Mayor of Cincinnati. Charlie Temple was an ambassador to both Ghana and Czechoslovakia. That's dating itself. And Ronald Reagan, of course, Governor of California, then became the 40th President of the United States. And that guy, we, listen, we'll talk about him maybe next episode. But <clears throat> those are just some examples of celebrities becoming politicians. And and so it had me thinking, how important are celebrities to we go out and vote? The influence, per se. So, according to the Morning Console, they did a study from February of last year through March 2nd of last year. And these were some of the most valuable endorsements by a political parties. And that says these were voters who say endorsements from these figures or organizations. Make them more likely to support a candidate running for public office. So they're broken up between Democrats, Independents, and Republicans. So I'm just going to give you the top five for you. Among Democrats, it's Barack and Michelle Obama, one and two, the Democratic Party, Hillary Clinton, and Bernie Sanders. For Independents, it's your spouse, Barack Obama, Michelle Obama, your mayor, and Warren Buffett. Among Republicans, it's the Republican Party, Donald Trump, your spouse, Mike Pence, and George W. Bush. So, you may be asking, well, what's the takeaway? The takeaway is that the power of celebrity really, really impacts more of the Democratic Party. Because, and that's not a knock on celebrities who are Democrats. But you see, you don't see many parties being thrown for Republican candidates. You know, the reason I believe was for either Pete Buttigieg or Kamala Harris, you saw Demi Lovato and Ariana Grande. So I tell people, I don't have issues with celebrities and their political affiliation. That does not affect how I feel about them and their work. And I wish people can separate that. But when you have the top two people among Democrats who people, they listen to Barack and Michelle Obama that's important because Barack Obama has said he won't endorse the candidate this year and that's important because whomever he endorses could very well be the nominee and and that to me still holds the fact that who's the leader of the Democratic Party <clears throat> it's Barack Obama and it hasn't stopped being Barack. Obama because when the three of the five people I read you are politicians for Democrats, and the Democratic Party, so all five are politicians. They would listen to Democrats, among Democratic voters, they would listen to the politicians. Independence says, well, I'm gonna listen to what my spouse votes. for," And then Barack Michelle, then my mayor, and then Warren Buffett. What it says about independence, and I'm an independent myself, speaking full discretion. You know I'm also a single so take that <laughs> take that as you will. But the greater point here is, is that among independents it doesn't matter if a specific person listens. it's their spouse, not a politician because Barack and Michelle are still on here, but they would listen to their spouse before them among independence because it still shows that they're still in the middle their spouse, their husband, their wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, still have an influence. And among Republicans, it's the party. Who the party chooses, it's how the Republicans win. And then Donald Trump, and then your spouse. And then Mike Pence and George W. So once again, saying like a Democrat, four of the five are political figures, whether party or Politicians. Among Democrats, you know, listen, both parties rank in the top five. And people who are listened to, and it still goes to show that we still listen to the party. And that's why it's important, and I talked about it, the influence of the squad. And I talk about that because the Democratic Party right now, if you watch those debates, if you saw them the other, you know, the last two nights, you knew. Boy, it, it's a fight versus progressive versus center versus far left and at some point you know that's the downside of primaries you saw in the Republican primaries back in 2016 you saw the very same thing it's finding far right progressive and center and there's a big difference and who we listen to is very important because what because Democrats will tell you I will listen to Brock and Michelle Republicans say well I've listened to my party and i will listen to Donald Trump and that's not a knock on either spectrum what it says is that the influence still of both Barack Obama and Michelle Obama and Donald Trump among the Republican party because the party is ahead of Trump and that to me is very interesting Because you have, if people want, there's a divide in both parties. It seems to be Trump-Republicans versus Republicans. And in essence, when voters were asked, they said, well, I'll listen to what the party says, and then I'll listen to Trump. Democrats will listen to what Barack Obama said. And they will listen to the Democratic Party maybe after Barack and Michelle. And independents are saying, you look, I'll listen to what my spouse says, and then I'll listen to Barack and Michelle, even my mayor. Oh, by the way, among independents, among celebrities, Democrats, Oprah Winfrey and Ellen DeGeneres were in that list. And for independents, they would listen to Ellen DeGeneres and The Rock. And among Republicans, the only real, you know, political figure, a celebrity, Sean Hannity. You know, notice you didn't see a Rush Limbaugh on that list. Who's probably the more powerful conservative voice in the party? And by last check, he had the number one radio show. On the but we will listen to Sean Hannity, and even Paul Ryan is on the list. And and it speaks to for Republicans that there could be there's a great divide because. What they're telling you is, listen, we will listen to party before the president. Democrats said that we'll listen to Barack and Michelle. Usually, the, if in a cycle year, you'll listen to what the Democratic Party says. But there's a division, just like how the Republicans had. And, and they did a survey after the 04 presidential election. It was by Dr. Natalie Wood from St. Joseph University and Kenneth. Herbs from Wake Forest University, and they came away with saying that after the 04 presidential election, a study found that friends and family were more influential than celebrities on young voters. And that's important, on younger voters. Because we all think that, well, you listen to the voter, you got to rock the vote and all of that. But no, we still listen to friends and family. And that's why among that's why so many young people are independent. They listen to spouse maybe not friends and family but technically family so the power of celebrity doesn't affect the young people as much as we think that was after the four election but it brought me to the attention of other celebrities one particular Taylor Swift when she went on she backed Democrat Phil Bresden in the US Senate race versus Marsha Blackburn well we know Marsha Blackburn won about 55% of the vote to excuse me to Bresden's 44% so after posting her support on Instagram which she did in October of last year vote.com received two hundred and twelve thousand eight hundred and seventy one new voter registration with most in the 18 and 24 age group now around 69 percent of the voters aged between 18 and 29 showed president nationally 67 percent of that age group voted Democrat. And that's important that was per cnn and the reason why i bring up the power of celebrity and i'm going to talk about it on the back end in my big picture is is that who we listen to does make a difference taylor swift has a lot of fun, influence power among young people but if you go by the basis of how i've always personally felt is that I do listen to celebrities, I do, but also they can be very, very damaging. Just like I always said, as much as I like in the survey back, it's some of the most damaging endorsements, by political way, so these are the ones that said, remember I said they were more likely to support a candidate, endorsements from these will most likely lessen their support for a candidate, and of course among Democrats, it's Trump. For independents, it's Kim Kardashian. And, And by the way, that was over Nancy Pelosi. Among Republicans, Hillary Clinton and Nancy Pelosi. Among independents, as much as we like Kim Kardashian, the celebrity, even Kanye's on the list, Tom Brady's on the list, Rush Limbaugh is on the list. Who we listen to is what we're saying. If they came out and endorsed somebody, I don't know. And I think that's what happened here with Taylor Swift, I really do. I think that as much as she is a positive person, you know, has a great influence, her supporting the Democrat in a heavily, heavily Republican state of Tennessee, there's no two ways about it. They still voted for the incumbent. But what she did was that she got over 200,000 New voter registrations in that 18 to 24 age group. And 67 of that group voted Democrat in 2018. That's important. And I think that's the core of what 2020 is going to be about. It's about age group. it's about all demographics. But 18 to 24 is important because that's the power of celebrity. And I'm going to talk about that, like I said, once again on the back end of my big picture. But I'll say this point before I close. When you vote, they always say vote with your conscience. Vote with your conscience. Don't vote in the conscience of the mind of a celebrity. Because listen, there's only a few select celebrities that I would listen to more than any. I listen to Oprah because listen, Oprah got Obama a million votes back in Oakland. A million votes. She has power, she has clout. I listen to Oprah. I hold specifically Oprah because she's work. She gets her work hurt. It's very influential, and that's why I say if any celebrity were to run in 2020, Oprah would be. Because if they don't trust the Democrats, they don't trust them. Because listen, what did Republicans tell you in in 2016? What did they tell you? We did trust a politician we trusted Donald Trump. And if 2020, if these debates, what they're telling you that, if we don't trust Bernie, Warren, Harris, Buttigieg, Bennett, any of these these people, we are going to seriously consider Oprah Winfrey. And I hope what you'll consider is to come right back and I'll give you my MLB report of that's next here on sports and the world. And welcome back into sports and the world. And if you're listening to us through Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public, we truly do appreciate it and I truly do appreciate it. Also, social media at sports the world on both Twitter and Instagram. Facebook page is up now of Sports in the World, and you can go to the About tab on there, click on the link, and listen to all the episodes, including this episode of Sports in the World, including now our football edition as well. Now I want to get into my MLB report and talk about the trade deadline is coming past, and I want to talk about the winners and the losers, and and it was very. It was very easy for some, and some were kind of hard to figure out who won and lost. But to me, there was two clear winners and two clear losers. And, you know, there, you know. so I have four winners and four losers. Two of them were clear on each side. Two were really close but gave up the edge. So with that, I'm going to start with my winners, I, you know, the Washington Nationals. You know, their bullpen was 8th in the NL. They had a 4.34 ERA, and they went and added Daniel Hudson and Hunter Strickland and a left-hander Rowan Elias. You know, so that gives, you know, Dave Martinez some options on the back end of that rotation. Okay, he doesn't trust Fernando Rodney. and some consistency there. And plus, you know, they're still in the NL East race. You know, as great as the Braves are playing, even the Phillies, that division is far from decided there. And the Giants. And the Giants won by keeping Madison Bumgarner because they're right in the thick. They're right in the thick of the playoff race. And and my thing is, is that, you know, I said in the beginning, you know, they weren't going to trade him because I felt that by trading him, you're risking losing out of contention because they're not exactly... Yeah, they're out and the reason why I say that is I say that because of two reasons is that if you look at their standards right now in the wild card and the wild card in the NL is wide open thanks to the NL Central plays a major role there because the team who doesn't win that division could also be well well entrenched in the wild card keeping Madison Bumgarner allows you to have more freedom and discretion and right now in terms of the wild card here we go to the NL folks I say they're only two and a half back and like I say right now amongst wild card teams it's it's the Cubs the Phillies and Washington right there and Milwaukee and then San Francisco and we're gonna get to Milwaukee in a minute but listen San Francisco is right in it because San Francisco understands like right now mind you versus 500 teams they're below 500 but I think the most important thing is is that they're in it and keeping Blum Gardner is a long-term will he be there next season or in the offseason that's to be seen I think that's a smart move by the new front office the post Brian Sabian era of the Giants and I think the Cleveland Indians won and by getting Yasel Puig and then for Neil Reyes from the Padres. Listen, the Cleveland outfits, according to baseball reference, you know, they're negative 1.2 wins above the average. The average is 0. 0.6. And getting Yasel Puig definitely adds to where I'm assuming he's going to play right field. For Neil Reyes, right now, he's 255, 27 home runs, 46 RBIs. Where do you put him? You know, you could argue. You could put him in the DH. You know, him and Santana could intertwine at first base. I think, you know, when I say who got the better of that deal, I'll always say that, well, Cleveland did. Because Trevor Bauer, as great as a pitcher as he is, Cleveland figures it out. Because right now, having Carrasco, you know, and hopefully health, getting healthier is what they're banking on. And Cleveland, that, listen, they'll get healthy and listen, they're right in listen, they're right in the thick of it too in the wild card you know, they have a game and a half lead so, in the wild card for the top spot, so it was a real risk risk for them to give up their ace but I think it's going to work and to me, the biggest winners of them all is the Houston Astros they had Zach Grinke give up four good prospects to get Zach Grinke and listen Listen, per baseball reference, they have the top five pitchers in WHIP. Listen, Verlander, 0.81, Green Key, 0.94, and Garrett Cole at one. And that's first, second, and fifth, respectively, in all of baseball. Look, that moved to me, and that's why I said when I did the list, my top five baseball teams, you know that's why I say what makes Houston a top five baseball team is the pitching, and they got better. AJ Hinch has options. The first three games of a series will be mean, these guys. So and Wade Miley's not a bad pitcher as your fourth. But, you know, it's not all bad. And Houston, you throw in the bats of, you know, George Springer, you got Alex Bragman, you know, Correa. You know, Houston could be dangerous, and I. And it's going to lead me to some of my losers who I felt really lost not only in Cranky but they're losing out to the Houston Astros and the New York Yankees leads my list of losers they did not add a starter when you see what the Blue Jays got back from Marcus Stroman oh by the way they're losers too because they didn't get enough for him and I said they feel the same way Brett Hart felt Vincent McMahon screwed him in Montreal that's how the Blue Jays should feel right now. Because they got screwed. And you know you know what Mets fans are going to say? The Blue Jays screwed the Blue Jays. So, so hint. that's why I put them at loser. But the Yankees, because right now, because their farm system, they're 16th. According to Prospect Digest. They didn't have enough prospects. But the Mets, the Mets, they're losing because they didn't trade Zach Wheeler. Even though they landed Marcus Stroman. They had the 28th best farm system, and yet they were still able to get Marcus Stroman. So I I don't think nobody in Toronto knew what the value of Marcus Stroman, because he's not a strikeout guy, but he was a heck of a... Listen, for the value that they got, if you're a Yankee fan, and you see what the Mets got for Marcus Stroman, what they had to give up, you're like, when did Brian Cashman pull the trigger? Because the farm system. Because maybe there was nothing in the front, but pitching-wise or to get him back. I think the Minnesota Twins lost out because calling a the bullpen, listen, they're great. They're absolutely great. Right now, they're a division leader, leading the central. But here's the problem. Cleveland is right there. Cleveland is right there. And I think, adding, like I said earlier, adding Yasel and Freya Reyes helps that offense. And if that Indians pitching staff gets healthy and they get better, you know, listen, the Minnesota Twins had 11 game lead and you could now, you know, that lead is that now three games. And I think Rocco Mandelli and those guys got to figure that out. And I think, yeah, like I said, the Mets, they could have had an outfielder, but you know, why add pitching? You didn't get them Zach Wheeler. You know, I understand. Like I said, they weren't going to trade card, but Zach Wheeler would have been the better trade option there. But the Boston Red Sox, and that's because of Dave Dombrowski. But listen, because they have a weak farm system, and here's the thing: they needed a bullpen arm, and you know, I think what makes that important to me is, is that I look. Listen, Boston's not out of it either. Like, they're three and a half back, and I'm saying, well, you get an arm, you have a shot. But they didn't even try to invest in it. And this is why people are like, why do you put the Dodgers on here? You know why I didn't put the Dodgers on here? You want to know why? But they're 72 and 39. I say, you know what the second place team is? Arizona. They're, they're below 500. And then San Francisco, excuse me, they're a game above 500. Arizona is a game below that's why because my only concern is that could you help Kelly Jansen in the back end sure but when you have Bueller and you have Kershaw and Ryu why am I gonna tell you to go get another picture and people are like oh well they lost out no they didn't like folks you're panicking dick so once again to recap my winners are the Nationals the Astros the Giants and the Indians the losers are the Yankees, the Twins, the Mets, the Red Sox, and the Blue Jays. And I want to thank BaseballReference.com for the stats and Prospect Digest for the prospect rankings. When we come back, we're going to delve into a topic that I, it's very important for different reasons. I'll get those reasons. And that's female broadcasting. that's next here on Sports and the World. And welcome back into sports and the world. And if you're still here with us, I truly do appreciate it. And once again, the social is at sports of the world on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook page, at sports of the world for all the sports in the world content. And go to the about tab, click the link to get to hear this episode and many more, including our Tuesday's my football edition of sports in the world. And so now I want to talk about female broadcasters. It is very hard to come into a profession or an industry that's been dominated by a gender for a long time. When we think of male broadcast, we think of like Howard Cosepp and we think of Al Michaels, Joe Buck, we think of and me personally growing up Harry Carey. We think of them as great at their profession but now you're seeing the advent of women coming into the booth on the sideline. Three female sideline reporters on the sideline on the three of the biggest shows in this country and they're football. That's Sunday Night Football with Michelle Tafoya, NFL on Fox with Aaron Andrews and you got NFL and CBS with Tracy Wilson so they're breaking if You can go back to Leslie Visser You can go back to Hannah Stone. Who I personally love her whole career. She's been fantastic. So there's still ground to be broken. Mina Mina Kynes. Mina Kynes. She's going in the booth for for the Rams preseason. And she'll be calling games in the booth. Beth Moans who we'll talk about. First female to ever host Monday Night Football game. And we're going to get to her. But I want to talk about Renee Young. And wrestling. When we think of wrestling male-dominated, Gordon Soli, Jim Ross, Jerry Lawler, Tony Siobhan. You know, you can go on and on. It's very hard for a woman to, to, to get in that industry unless they're backstage interviews like she was. But to get a chance to sit on the commentary desk is a big deal. She took over for coach September 2018, and she's been criticized constantly, fair or not. And and how this particular criticism started is with this tweet that she tweeted out last Saturday she said I would love it if adult men would stop tucking their ears into their baseball hats listen that's I mean as an adult man that, that's a very good point you know I just let the ears flap and you know so that was on Twitter last Saturday so so a simple, I'm not going to give out the Twitter hashtag, the Twitter tag of the person who tweeted this. But you can you can find out. You can research it and, and get the name. But this particular person said in response to it, you, you know I've watched WWE Rawls about Seth Rollins go from babyface to no one likes you by accident talking about money. Because Renee Young made a comment about money because the particular person started saying, well, I would love that WWE would stop putting, you know, any announcer, you can figure out the rhyme, on their show. Morrow and Nigel are the only good ones. And she responded, and the checks keep coming in. And this was their response. That, you know, I've watched W. Rollins go from babyface to no one likes you by accident by talking about money. That's where that preface comes from. And then this particular person went going to say that, we get it. You have a high-paying public job. Cool story, sis. Perhaps at WWE should have, hold a class on how not to sound like a crass hole in public. And, look, trust me, I'm going to read some worse ones later, but you see, that's the problem right there. Look, do you want Coach back in that chair? Do you want Booker T, Otunga? Listen, I love all of them individually and what they've done for wrestling. But they got their chance to do it the booth and they couldn't get it done, period. So they moved on. So here's Renee Young's response to that show. She responded to that the next day and said that here's the truth. I know I'm not great on commentary, but it's my job. And I try to get better each week. People love to tell me how bad I am at it as if I think I'm great. So should I just quit? What would that say about me? Not easy to learn a skill on a gigantic global TV show, and that's true. because listen, I've been doing this. Is the fifteenth episode of Sports in the World? And listen, I know I'm not great at it, and you know, mind you, the criticism hasn't came in yet. But at some point, it will. So I'm not going to sit here and conjecture that. Listen, oh, I'm perfect at this. You've heard me stumble, make a couple of mistakes. But the point is, is that. Just you know, I may not be on a gigantic TV show, but you know when you're starting out something, you're going to stumble out of the gates, and that's what Renee Renee hasn't done this job for year. and we're already getting the criticism. And you know, superstars of Bacter, you know, from Kurt Angle, Peyton Royce, excuse me, Charlotte Flair, Austin Creed, so. You know, it's not its not just a company backing thing. They really do respect Renee Young in the back. They respect her, and she's well-liked in that company. So, my, my deeper point here is, is that this is the problem that men have, and speaking as a male perspective. Sometimes men use, and speak as a male, we use that as to escape women to get into sports we don't think that there's nothing equal. but well, what does a woman know about sport? and listen I just disagree with that and I'm going to talk about a couple of the women that I do like and that I love I mentioned some at the top like I mentioned Hannah Storm and Leslie Vester those are pioneers you know you go back to Phyllis you know Phyllis George you know like I said Michelle Tafoya Aaron Andrew you got Pam Oliver. I can go on and on but well respected women And people in sports. And we're still having this discussion in 2019 about, oh, well, stick stick to this. Go back to the kitchen. We're still having that caveman rhetoric. And, you know, this, I'm going to read you a couple of tweets about certain people. And this came from Julie DeCaro, who wrote a New York Times essay back in September 2017. And she's a Chicago sports personality. She's very big in that town. And there was examples in there that I'm gonna use from people on Twitter, protect them for the sake of protecting. Them. So, this is what somebody said about Beth Mullins when she called the Money for football game Rex Lion. And said that, I'm sure Beth Mullins is a nice person, but her voice should not be on TV. I feel like she's scolding me for throwing snowballs. Take it as you will, but you think that's you think that's bad? Jessica Mendoza. Got to me, one of the more heavily critiqued, you know, critiques I've ever heard and seen. And I like Jessica Mendoza. She's in for Sunday night, the Sunday night baseball booth with A. Rod and Matt And She's very good at her job. She was a Olympic gold medalist for the softball team, a Stanford All American. She's very good at calling talking about baseball. Baseball and softball. The only difference is you throw one underhand, one overhand. The dynamics are pretty much the same but here's what the one person said it's Mike Bell, he's in the Atlanta CBS sports radio show he said back in 2015 about Jessica Mendoza the first one, the first of some tweets I couldn't put on here. couldn't put them all on here I should say the first one is, this is beyond ridiculous hell, any swinging, you know Richard, you can figure that out In a softball league. Is now qualified. And you're thinking. Well that was bad. No. You say yes. You know. Tits McGee. When you're up there. Hitting the softball. You see a lot of 95 mile an hour. Cutters. Yes Tits McGee. When you're up there. Hitting the softball. You see a lot of 95 mile an hour. Cutters. And I had to repeat that. Again. Because of the significance and the importance of how bad that was. And that's thanks to both. And the big lead covered it. And they did every tweet this man said about Jessica Mendoza. And I guess my greater point here is, is this. We still live in this time and we still live in this era. Where we can't accept women to do the job that a man can do. And I, it's not about pay and it's not about, because listen, listen, I don't criticize men who become nurses. Like, who are you, some Florence night? No, I don't criticize men for being nurses. I don't criticize men for being in, you know, once heavily female, like working as flight attendants. You don't see, no. You never hear that level of criticism. But when it comes to sports, I understand it's a getaway but why not join women they're smart they're competitive they're brilliant but yet here we are once again in 2019 I have to remind people that it's not okay to talk about women in that capacity because look I use the same adage would you talk to your mother or grandma? would you use that language if she was in a because for the record in some cases that's somebody's mother that's somebody's daughter how would you feel if your daughter who could be anything in the world she wants to go into broadcasting and a man like Mike Bell says the same thing to your daughter what would you do how would you react Jessica Mendoza has not reacted to this and she says she refused to re- she, she, she hasn't read it she refused to click on it give in to and that's five and that was four years ago because it's idiotic even with renee young and i've been a wrestling fan my whole life and the criticism about renee young is unfair and it's unjust and i place a lot of this on people thinking that well women can't and i place a lot of them people thinking that well she can't talk about wrestling and this is why i say well, the divas era was the real deterrent because it did not make it made talented females look like Trish Stratus and Lita were subjugated to broad panty matches when they are hell of competitors. Victoria, Jacqueline, ivory There were great wrestlers in that Attitude Era, doing all those gimmicks. But I think that's the the problem. They're not taking Renee Young seriously. Like Renee Young is very good at her job, just like every single woman from Beth Mullins, Jessica Mendoza, every woman has done a, listen, can some of them mess up and can we criticize their work? Absolutely. There's some things that, listen, Jessica Mendoza, I agree with baseball wise, but that's not to say that she's terrible at her job. Okay? There's a difference. There's a difference. And once people see that difference, we can get better. But as long as we focus on gender and can't doing the job, we're still going to have people who are still going to feel that women belong here and belong there. And not belong where we are belonging. And what I've always said is this is is that it's not right and it's not okay just because somebody else said that this. meaning that well somebody says it's not okay no it's not okay to talk about and criticize certain things if you like I put on Facebook if well you go do the job listen listen we can criticize Chris Collinsworth and Joe Buck. But yet, you're not going all in on them. You're, going all in, you're not going all in because they're a dude, you're going all in on Renee Young. And these because they are women. And it's gotta cease and desist really quickly. Or we're gonna have this vicious cycle where we still have, we still live in a world where women can be anything, but when you see tweets like that, you still have that part of the world in the mindset. in my mindset, we're going to be right back with my big picture. And that's next here on Sports and the World. And welcome back into the final segment here of Sports and the World. If you stuck with me this long in the show, I truly do appreciate it. Let's get a reminder. Another episode of Sports and the World Football Edition will be out this coming Tuesday so in my big picture today I want to talk about popularity I want to talk about popularity when we went to school growing up now when all of us went to school high school particularly we all knew who the popular kids were or the cool kids were as you may say and the cliques that were popular and what if I told you that those dynamics are still affecting us today in some capacity? Not all of us, but some of us. Because one thing I've always said is that popularity is great. You know, being liked is great. Which are two separate things. Somebody you can be well liked, but people, you know, but people don't love you. Okay, well, I, I like them. Look at you, people. Oh, I like that person. You don't love. them popularity is that, listen, anywhere you go, you get a seat. And anywhere you go, people are like, oh, look who that is. And that's different from being well But once again, those same dynamics are confirmed in this research by BBC Work Life in November of 2017 by Mitch Prestine. And basically, he says that psychological research suggests that the same popularity dynamics that we remember from adolescence are not altogether different from the social rules that continue to govern our lives as adults. In essence, when you still go to your job and you feel you should be promoted, sometimes your hard work, you would think will get you above the person that's well liked. In some cases that doesn't work. I've seen it happen once again. I'm sure some of you, or all of you have seen, or you've been experienced it, or you have seen the experience of that. And and here's some other things. People who are well-liked are more likely than their equally qualified counterparts to be higher promoted and even earn higher salaries. Look at some of the salaries of the people on television. Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith makes a lot of my ESPN because he's he's well-liked at that company. It doesn't matter if we like him, but ESPN, he's well-liked in the industry. And he gets paid maybe more than Kellerman. And a lot of ESPN personalities because he's well-liked. And also, these same people who are well-liked Are more likely to feel satisfied at work happiest at home and less likely to suffer from addictions depression and anxiety and and mind you that came from a great study by Yelva Alquist and Louise Branson Branstrom excuse me in March of 2014 now mind you that was five years five years study five years ago but here's what I take from that I understand the first part of the great research is that yes I do believe that people who are higher promoted, well-life people do make more than those who are equally qualified, but happiness, in essence, what they're saying is that there's satisfaction at work and you're happy at home is that you're not going to suffer from addiction and depression. And I argue that it enhances it because now you feel pressure to maintain your popularity and to maintain it because if you lose it, then you may lose money. And this is why you see a lot of celebrities take stances on things because they don't want to lose. They still want to be popular. They want to be popular. And I'm not in any way saying that, well, it's popular to be a Democrat in Hollywood because most of the producers are, no, that's opinion, not, I can't prove it. We talked about that in an episode of of this podcast where fact and opinion. Opinion is something that I say, fact is something that I can prove. I can't prove to you that every single producer in Hollywood is liberal. So, ergo, if you want to have a job, you have to have liberals, then you have to be anti-Trump, you be anti-Republican. I'm not saying that. I'll you guys can interpret that on your own time and on your own volition. But my point here is that if anything, being well-liked and popular does have effects on your health. It does have an impact because you have to sustain it. Because if you say the wrong thing, you could be... You could lose money. Because you could maintain a very unpopular stance and like, oh, well, there goes the popular, there goes the money. Like, you know, think of like Don Inus when he made those comments about the like Rutgers women's team. Like, he was a popular radio guy and then he regrets but when he said it, he lost a lot of viewers, and and the radio show essentially got booed and got canceled. He lost a lot of popularity. Why? Because he said something. He took a stance that was anti against his viewership and against a lot of people. So, I've always said that when you have your own stance, look at yourself as a brand and what you represent, because what you represent will will have a particular impact of what you bring in income wise and what you bring in in your fan base and and you especially see that now with politicians and you see it with celebrities and that's what i talked about at the first segment, where celebrities and people you know and do we listen to them because listen they're popular so we should listen to them and i took and then you had studied you know, like i told you we listen we still rely on friends and family to listen if you're independent you listen to your spouse and my point my greater point here is is that we as people have to understand something very simple and i think a lot of us do but you know i think it's best summated by adam galinsky joe mcgee and a couple of other great researchers that was researched 13 years ago and they said those with status are more oppressed, expressive, more prone toward risky behavior, and less capable of empathy, compassion, and perspective-taking. That summits my thoughts on popularity in the context of celebrity, and, and sometimes in school. The people that we went to school who were popular, listen, they were very, very. I guarantee you, they didn't care. They would take a nerd. Give them a swirly. They would. They didn't care about the perspective of how the, how people's feelings were. They could care less, and they were more prone to do certain things. That's not for every person with status, but it's a generalized statement. That doesn't mean every kid who was popular who had status, like the star quarterback or the head cheerleader. I'm not saying they were all this way, but some of them, they could care less. I'm compassionate about anybody else in that school. There were people who were just like them at status. That's why you hear things called the status quo, because it's the same. And when you start amalgamating different things, then you shake up the status quo. And back in high school, cheerleaders hung out with cheerleaders, jocks hung out with jocks. Status clicks, and you see it in Hollywood now. You see, like with with Taylor Swift, Carly, Kla- and all, you know the Kardashian, cliques, groups, because they're the same status. You, I'll put it this way: you never saw Donald Trump hang out with, you, you know, somebody in Arkansas. Like, oh, you wouldn't see it, not because of the race thing, but it's because of status, because that person does not on the same level as the president. Even before the president. It's about status. You would never, Prince in the pop. you never saw a king hang out with the peasants. You never saw a queen hang out with the peasants. You never saw, or rarely saw, I should say, that take place. Oh, I'll go sit with the peasants. No, they're going to sit right in their castle and on their throne. And that, listen, because why? Well, I make the rules and I control this. Why should I have to listen to what they say? That's status. That's popularity. That's control. Because it's a popular thing when they say it. And people can understand, when you're popular, you know, you have status. Oprah Winfrey is popular. She has status. She's the world's richest woman. Bill Gates has power. He has status because he's popular. Celebrities are no different. So, what I did was that I I went and did some research. I felt the most follow Instagram, most follow Instagram celebrity. This was as of last month, in July of this year, from Marie Claire. Number ten was Taylor Swift, who I talked about earlier. Look how she influenced a bunch of young kids to go vote. Because she's popular and she has status. Neymar, soccer player. Lionel Messi, soccer. Beyonce, Queen B, Enough said. Kylie Jenner. Kim Kardashian, 6 and 5 respectively. 4 was The Rock. 3, Selena Gomez. 2, Ariana Grande. 1, Christian Ronaldo. So, those are the 10 most followed Instagram celebrities. You didn't see Barack Obama's name on that list, Michelle Obama's name. And I tell people, well, dear, what's your point? My point is, is that popularity comes in different forms. I talked about the high school concept. And it does. And the study research confirmed things that many of you knew, and maybe I knew and a lot of is that popularity didn't change from high school to now. The only thing that changed were that it stopped worrying about being in a clique. It was worried about how much money you make. That you have to be popular to make more money. Back in high school, it was about trying to fit in. And listen, as a kid who didn't join, was in the middle and didn't care. It, once again, didn't bother. A lot of people who weren't in cliques and groups turned out to be great. Great adults. My point here is, when you're popular, it's always important to understand that you have status whether you want it or not. It's, you know what Charles Barkley said well I'm not a role model but people still look up at the Charles Barkley you can tell people listen I'm not this but people are gonna still look at you that is that it's why when, when Tiger Woods had his incident well Tiger Woods you know people looking at the role model. people were disappointed even though he may not have set out to be one because of the popularity and the status he gained through golf same thing with President Trump it's the same thing with all these celebrities on this list. Taylor Swift, Kim Kardashian, Kylie Jenner. When you're popular, you get status. And the and the thing is, when you have that status, you can become jaded. Some people can become super jaded because they think, well, this I've reached this point in my life, I'm this. But they forget how they got to be popular. Just like in high school, the kid who was a dork in high school becomes written and gets that status, it creates a whole new cycle of listen. I'm going to hang on people like me. But you have some down-to-earth celebrity. But the point is is that when we get status, some of us can be real douchey. And we forget about how we got to where we are. And to say this point to button it all up is simply this. You never forget where you came from. Because this is a saying I have. We never know where we're going to go with this life. You get... Meaning that you could be the kid that was the most unpopular kid to have popularity and status. Or you could be the kid that had status and popularity and became just in the middle. No matter what, it's always important to know where you came from. Because that's how people become jaded. That they forget where they came from. A lot of people now who had status forget that they were the person that used to stand in line and get food. Some of the people who have stats now tend to forget, and this goes on, I don't care what the political part is the affiliation. We forget that. And some of us forget that. That we were like them. Some of us were. You know, for some women, we were the woman. We were the women. I'm not saying I'm old, but some women may say, well, I was that woman who was rejected by that man and felt that I was abandoned. For some dudes, that woman re- broke my heart. And I know how that guy feels, and that's important to know where you came from, because when you have status, it comes with responsibility. Like Spider-Man said the best: "With great power comes great responsibility." Peter Parker forgot who he was, and when he got what he forgot everything about who he was, how his par- how his grandparents raised him. And he became very he became a douche, but he got hit with reality. And and once again to say this, once again, we never know where we're going in this life. But it's important to know where you came from, because we can we're not we can never reach a high point in life where we're not being able to knock right back down to us. And that folks being knocked out means we are knocked out of time. For well, this episode of Sports in the World, I thank you so much for taking time out of your day, your afternoon or your evening. It truly means the world to me. Once again, Football Edition of Sports in the World is going to be on Tuesday. And we'll be right back here on Friday where you and I together go on this journey of sports and the world. Have a great day, friends. Mm -hmm.